The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Good morning. Well, today we're going to be talking about memory, or rather, how do you remember details? An exceptional memory is an asset to an investigator, and you have to have tools to help you remember. So if you have tips that you want to share with us today, please call in and join our conversation. The toll-free number is 1-877-472-5787. 877-472-5787. Here to discuss this topic with me is private investigator Jim Sylvania. Hi, Jim. Good. Welcome to PI's Declassified. So I know that you were uh, a police officer a while back. Tell us a little bit about your background. There, I joined the Columbus, Ohio Police Department in 1966. Served about four years on the street, and then because I was a college graduate or whatever, and half of our Vice Squad and Intelligence Bureau was indicted federally. They brought a bunch of young people up to fill those <laughs> slots, and uh, I happened to be one of those. So I spent the next 13 years uh, working intelligence for the uh, for the police department. And you were, at, and that in, was in the position of a detective, correct? Correct. And um, and the Intelligence Bureau uh, task assigned task was what? Well, my side task was organized crime. Um, in Ohio, much like California where you are, we have no state police. And mm-hmm. where you have the CBI, we have nothing like that. At that time, we had it was called BCI, which is the Bureau of Criminal Identification. And their main purpose was to warehouse fingerprint records for all the state. They had a small... A non-police entity, they weren't sworn officers, that assisted sheriff's departments in this state in doing drug investigations. Mm-hmm. So really, there was no general or central intelligence entity to gather information uh, in the state. So our job was uh, we had a chief that said if affected Columbus, it, we could go out and, and investigate it. So our job was kind of the, we were called the Columbus State Police at times. I see. Interesting. And so I am, I'm assuming that's changed dramatically today. Well, they've done away with the Intelligence Bureau entirely. With the, really? The police story. Yes, ma'am. Hmm. Interesting. And then who handles that um, 
that kind of investigation? Uh, the narcotics squad for the Columbus Police has their own. Um, okay. And it's left to the entities of each individual police department in the state to, to gather information. I see. Interesting. So then when you left the department, um, is that when you went directly to work for a law firm? Right. I was hired away uh, by the law firm of Porter Wright Morrison Author, which is a the biggest law firm in the state, and there was about 300 attorneys that I worked for, and I did uh, investigative work for all their offices throughout uh, Ohio, Washington, D.C., and uh, Naples, Florida. Wow, that's amazing. So how did it come about that they hired you, Jim? Uh, Back then, they had just started doing... um, investigations of all-terrain vehicles, three-wheelers, and motorcycle uh, accidents. And so they needed somebody crazy enough to get on one of those. And uh, they, happened <laughs> that to, was you. they happened to pick me, so <laughs> they made me an offer I, I, I couldn't see. refuse. You were, you were the stayed. test uh, <laughs> tester. So I spent the next 22 years with uh, Porter Wright. Interesting. Uh, what an what an adventure! It sounds like um, you may have put in a lot of twenty four seven hours in that company. Uh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> sounds like you would be traveling all over the place. So, did you become a private investigator right away? Uh, well, that's what I was when I was hired away from the police department. I took over all their investigations as in house for the law firm for okay, twenty two so years. Got- then. All right, so you got a license before you left the department? Yes. Okay, interesting. And so um, what's required in Ohio for uh, licensure for a private investigator? Uh, Right now we're licensed by the uh, Department of Public Safety, and there's 4,000 hours of experience uh, that are needed, um, not having been arrested for a felony for the past 20 years. You have to pass a written test and just produce some sort of insurance and you open up your own business. Hmm. Interesting. Now, I know you are also with the Army Reserves in the Criminal De- uh, Investigation Detachment as well. Correct. For, uh, uh, go ahead. I spent uh, eight years in the Re- Army Reserves as an investigator in the Arm- three, 375th MPs CID Detachment. Interesting. And then you were, uh, this was amazing to me, Jim, when I read this. I didn't know that you were the executive director and lobbyist for the Ohio Association of Security Investigative Services. Well, as it, when I was with Porter Wright, we were right next door to what was our licensing entity then, which was the Ohio Department of Commerce. And so I got nominated, uh, I guess, when I wasn't there, and I became the executive director for the next (laughs) nine years uh, of the Ohio Association of Security and Investigative Services. That is uh, a job all by itself that's full-time, isn't it? I mean, I can't even imagine. It it was just a part-time job um, with a little DM on the side to help out, but I think location played the biggest part of my getting that assignment. And then on top of that, you were an assistant professor and dean at a community college for, what, 25 years? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, here locally at Columbus State. And uh, then I had a profit college of uh, what's called the Academy of Court Reporting, where we formed a uh, 
a course on private investigation. Very cool. And and then now you are still a member of the National Association of Legal Investigators. Uh, correct. And the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners. And, yes, ma'am. Uh, and a group called Intelnet, which is an international investigative group. Yes, ma'am. So, Jim, since you've been so involved as in private investigator and private security trade associations, would you talk a little bit about the value of belonging to an association like that? Oh, it's... <laughs> It's the first thing any private investigator needs to do. I mean, not only is there a code of ethics, first of all, but but there are people who you can trust and you get to know and you work with, and it just is a great learning experience. And, you know, you, and when it's an international or a national association, you have networking capabilities and additional education capabilities that you wouldn't have opportunities to have otherwise. That is, that is correct. They put they put on uh, seminars usually uh, twice a year, and uh, like with Nally, uh, you're required to t- attend so many of those. So it's it's like an attorney uh, CFEs that you, continuing education is required, and you can't go just everywhere to get the education in this profession that you need. So you become dependent upon these organizations that provide educational opportunities. Exactly. So, uh, and we should mention, there's a, a conference, the National Association of Legal Investigators is having their annual conference in Denver uh, this month, June 26th to the 28th. Are you going to that, Jim? Uh, no, ma'am, I am not. I don't travel well anymore, so I, I try to stay local. Yeah, well, it looks like a pretty good conference. While we're talking about that, I might send a shout-out to the California Association of Licensed Investigators who had just a fantastic conference. The conference organizers and the executive committee uh, did just a bang-up job. It was in Rancho Mirage, California, uh, two weeks ago. So, yeah, very. You know, the education is um, very needed. It's really the only, one of the only places you can get it when it applies to exactly what we do. Well, I might add here in Ohio a number of years ago, I think it was nine years ago, three of the members of uh, NALI got together from Indiana and Michigan and Ohio, and we started something called Associations One, exactly. and it now includes Illinois and Kentucky, and we put on a seminar every year so that we can keep up with what's going on in the world. That's great. I was at one of the Associations One conferences, and they're, they're really good. So, okay, so we're going to talk about the thing that is plagues all of us, and that's memory. <laughs> and you have some ideas about how you can uh, make sure that you have those things at your fingertips years later. Well, I did, but I forgot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> very good. <laughs> now, since... I revealed in my doing my background, I'm I'm not exactly a spring chicken anymore. And what, as we all know, the older you get, the your brain can only hold so much information, just like <laughs> a hard disk on a computer. I mean, it gets full, and there's no place for it to go. So, yeah. you tend to throw the old stuff out and replace it with the new. And then when you get when you need to look for the old stuff, it's difficult to recall or remember. So. Um, I developed, I didn't develop it, I just adopted a system to use um, much like when I was in tele, 
worked for the Intelligence Bureau of the Columbus Police Department, where we used to, uh, prior to computer days, have to write down everything and somehow save it and document it so that we could retrieve it uh, mm. to really figure out what's going on and whether it was related, whether we could link it to something else. And initially, this was all done by hand. Uh, back when I worked intelligence, you know, it was my job, I guess, working organized crime to know what was going on in these other cities. So I had to read newspapers from Cleveland, uh, Youngstown, Cincinnati, Dayton, Toledo, mm. you know, so it was required for me as part of my assignment to do that so that we could keep the chief of police advised to what was going on in these other communities as related to organized crime, which at that time not only included the mafia families out of Pittsburgh and Cleveland, but the motorcycle gangs uh, also in Ohio, which we considered at the time organized crime. Ohio was unique at that specific time period because we had not only uh, one motorcycle gang like most states do, but we had two. We had the Dayton Outlaws in Dayton and had the Hells Angels uh, in Cleveland. So sure. therefore, that's you can see why Porter Wright hired me because I <laughs> had ridden a Harley before for a year. So, uh huh. You know, it, let's let's stop right there. We need we need to take a quick break, Jim. But I want to come back to that Harley. Okay, we'll be All right, right back. Thank you. The internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. 
That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Jim Silvani is my guest today, and we're discussing that pesky subject of memory. But, Jim, you just said something that really perked my ears up, that you were a Harley rider, and I'm a Harley rider as well. So I have to ask you, did you go undercover on your Harley to investigate this organized, these organized crime gangs? Yes, ma'am. Did you really? Yes, ma'am. And what did that lead you into? <laughs> well, we... we uh... At that time, uh, the Dayton chapter of the Outlaws was making uh, sopers, uh, quaaludes, uh, in a basement of a couple homes, and we got in into them. And actually, uh, the one of the gentlemen who I was working with at the time uh, worked for the state, and he actually became a, a probie for the Outlaws. Uh, oh, tell me that again. A what? A probation. Member, okay. They're called, they're called probies uh, when you when you go to join the organization, and uh, he infiltrated the group uh, a little better than I did, and uh, but we we led to a number of arrests. Mm-hmm. It sounds pretty darn risky. <laughs> well, I know. Uh, interestingly enough, we had a, a sister chapter here in Columbus uh, called the Avengers. And we did uh, surveillance on them from a garage across the street from their clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And we'd go up top of this garage and then look down upon their clubhouse. And that was usually in the evenings when we worked. Well, we went by there one time during the daytime, and we noticed a bunch of bullet holes in the garage where the club members had brought their guns out and start shooting exactly where we were watching. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but but in those wow. days you were young, crazy, and uh, we did a Invincible. lot of things I would never think of doing nowadays. That's for sure. <laughs> that's great. Okay, so back to our <laughs> little sidetrack there. Back to our subject of memory. So so you developed some tools when you were with the department doing these cases that really carried over to being able to retrieve information. Go go through those with us. Well, back then, uh, you know, there wasn't there wasn't computers. So, like I said previously, you had to do everything by hand. And when I read a newspaper, I saw an article. Uh, we had been trained someone in link analysis, so the, you know, we would cut that out, clip it out, and then underline the proper names of the individuals and then uh, of the businesses. And that's the way we would index it. It would be indexed by name or date or however you want to do it. Well, then when I, I left the police department, I started to apply that to when I was with Porter Wright, uh, working so many different cases. You know, names constantly change. Every case is different. But to keep that same system, you know, I would underline and then keep an index by date or by uh, assigned number and then I would just keep track of everything that, uh, you know, that I did as far as individuals' names or names of businesses. And then when computers came along and Microsoft developed something called Access, I just took all those files that I had and just uh, scanned them in 
and put their numbers and names and access. So now that I can go to the computer and there's well, close to 40 years of names of individuals that I can pull up at a, at a moment's notice and look and say, well, you know, here, I worked on this guy or this individual. His name appears 13 times. So mm-hmm. I go back into my files, pull the, pull the uh, you know, the records out, whether it be a newspaper, whether it be an intelligence report, whether it be a case file that I've worked on. So, I, you know, in this business, you meet thousands of people over the years. That's absolutely true. And, you know, I'm, I'm good where I remember a face, but I can't remember names. So it behooved me to do something to keep those files intact going on from years upon years that I could go back and, you know, it's right there in front of me. I can read it. I don't have to remember it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I put, because over the years, every community has a family or so that has always been involved in criminal activity from grandfather to grand great-grandson. And so when you come, you know, 20 years later with an individual with the same name, you can relate it back to, well, that's a member of this family, you know. So it, it behooves you that way, and even do that with your clients. I mean, mm-hmm. you, can, you can keep your clients' names in there and remember who you worked for 20 years ago and what you did for them. Well, you know what sparks um, my thinking, Jim, when you're talking about this? Because I... Cause, um, you have some details that I read that where, for example, you circled a person's name and you drew a box around a business and um, you had a, an underline for people that you knew were connected and then people you weren't sure of, you put a dotted line under them. And I thought that that's really interesting because even with computers, you still often... Uh, particularly in large criminal and civil cases, you have to have the paper documents to start with. You may scan them in, you may utilize them in your computer, but you start out with paper. Correct. So I thought that, I thought that was a really good system for... Well, go ahead. Year, years ago, excuse me, they used to teach what was called link analysis. And now mm-hmm. if you have LexisNexis or... I'm not sure TLO does it, but... Uh, a lot of the services where you you can get data for an extra cost, they'll do the link analysis for you and and link that particular investigation uh, that you're working on uh, via the computer. And there is software out there now that does exactly the same thing that we used to do by hand. And there there, there was just a couple of rules. When you read something, just underline it. Don't highlight it because if you highlight it and then scan it, it it redacts it. You can't see it. Mm-hmm. And uh, just underline proper names of individuals, again, businesses. And when you go to do the link, a, a proper or a name is a circle and a business is a box. And then it's, you can draw straight lines if there's a connection and broken lines if it's just suspicions. Mm-hmm. And, and let, me, let me relate to you something that we did a long time ago. Um, when I was with the PD, and we did, we actually did a case on bookies where we became a bookie and operated our own booking service so we could go under, you know, <laughs> to get the uh, layoff betters. And 
we ended up indicting several people and then went to federal court. And we did one of these link analogies with, with the pictures of, you know, the uh, mug shots of all the bookies that we had indicted uh, up linking them together. And this was, we presented that as evidence in, in the court itself. And the defense, for some reason, did not object to this board that we brought in showing all this, uh, the linkage. And mm-hmm. so as the trial progressed, uh, when you would mention someone's name, you could actually see the jurors look at the, at the board <laughs> right. and and then look back at the individual. So it, it helped. You know, a picture speaks a thousand words. Absolutely. And if you, if you watch any television show involving, uh, you know, criminal activity whatsoever, you see a murder board where they have pictures and links of everybody together. That's what the system allows you to do for any case that you work on involving, you know, more than than one person. But it can, later on, if you will find that this investigation you did five years ago is related to this investigation that you're doing now, mm-hmm. and you know you, most of your work may already have been done five years ago that you can just put into this new investigation. Interesting. Yeah. Because the players repeat, don't they? Yes. <laughs> Well, you mentioned, um, Jim, you, you and I were talking about this. Uh, there's a program IBM has, which I think is a really actually maybe more expensive than, than uh, our basic one guy operation private investigator uh, wants to spend. It, it's called an I2 analyst notebook. Yes, ma'am. And that's, um, I, I guess it's a visual analysis program that well, enables well, go ahead it it does what we just talked about it it you enter the data into the computer and the computer software does everything we just talked about it does it for you and then uh, makes it all available and these are for large uh, entities such as intelligence bureaus for states for for local police departments and where you have Hundreds or thousands of individuals involved in a gang. You know, it's not so much cost-wise or useful-wise to to a small private investigator firm, but it it's great if you know if you're working um, on major major cases. Well, you know, um, looking into that, and you know, as we talked about it it looks like it's very pricey uh, mainly because they don't mention uh, they mention the price on their website but um, that sparked me to look at other products and I came across one that is called uh, RF Flow 5 and it's based in Colorado Loveland Colorado and uh, let's see it it looks like it's fairly inexpensive, so I'll just put that out there. If you put in rf um, rff.com, you can look at this product, and uh, you can buy a variety of of different systems within that case. There was also something called the International Association of Crime Analysts, and they if you 
if people want to look at that, it's really interesting because there's a resource center and it actually evaluates all these different types of software that have to do with link analysis. So that was kind of fun to look at. I don't know anything more about them than I just told you, but I thought, well, uh, I will pass that on. It gives, oh my gosh, it gives uh, seven pages of different kinds of software that you could use for an analysis of all kinds of cases. So um, when you started using your Access, Jim, how did that, because Access is a little complicated to work too. Well, I, I'm not the greatest computer person in the world, so if I think I can do it, anybody can do it. I mean, oh, okay. uh, uh, I just, as I said, I just had <laughs> I had boxes, illegal boxes, uh, 30 or 40 of them that contained all the, the hard copies. Uh-huh. And then what I would do was just to scan them in and, uh, you know, assign each page a number, a year, and a number. And then take the names of the individuals and just, to make it simple, I just use last names and first names and then plug them into Access and then make it searchable by, uh, you know, either last names or first names. And you can use nicknames in there if you want. Um, And then also I keep a separate Access file for businesses. So someone asked me about a uh, you know a computer company that was shady or something. That over the years, you can go back and say yeah that you know that was a scam. Uh, the same people were involved in it then or are now or just different name. And it it just is you know keep it simple stupid. That that that's the method I use. That and I it doesn't cost that much. It, it is a little time consuming when you initially when I initially had to do. You know, 40, 30 or 40 boxes of hard documents and scan them in. It took a while right. to catch up. So we're now, yeah. you know, you know, I'm pretty well caught up to to where I should be. Okay, Jim, we need to take another break. Uh, hold on just a second. We'll return right back to you in a moment. Thank you. The internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PI's Declass. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! 
If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. We're back to discuss what Jim Sylvania calls CRS, or can't remember stuff and how he handles that. Uh, so, Jim, you you were saying that um, you put all this this information into access. Now, did you have to do that yourself, or yes, yes. you Just did? Man. Okay, you didn't have a staff member to do that. No. And are you are you still with that law firm? No, I retired after twenty two years there, and they um, wouldn't leave me alone, so I had to open up my own shop, so to speak. <laughs> So for the past seven years, I've been Sylvania Investigative Services. Okay. And so do they still call you and ask questions? Yes, ma'am, but no, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to wear a suit and tie. I, I start the morning in my pajamas in front of the computer. and. Uh... <laughs> okay, so... Um, so you use the access, and you you... you you evidently went to some kind of a training class to learn it, or did you learn it on your own? No, no. I went, uh, went to a training class way back when, when it yeah. uh, first when it became was... popular. Okay. All right. So give me some examples of how you've used link analysis to, to connect the dots to a case. Well, if, if I can go back and show you how some things related, and uh, one of the cases... Uh, that I worked on uh, back when I was on a police department. We we had a homicide here in in Columbus. It was a well-known um, OBGYN doctor, Dr. Walter Bond, who happened to be black. Uh, years prior to that, there was a podiatrist here who was um, caught by ATF for illegal firearms, and he was sentenced federally to to uh, a federal institution. His roommate at that federal institution was Jimmy Hoffa, <laughs> who had never mm-hmm. been found, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, and in doing the investigation on um, Dr. Bond's homicide, we found that another OBGYN who worked in that same office, who was also an attorney, had um, developed some sort of jealousy of Dr. Bond in that... Uh, his secretary uh, started dating, who was a female white, started dating Dr. Bond, who was male black, and they were both, everybody was married. So the doctor, who, uh, the OBGYN, who was jealous, was named uh, Dr. Ucker. And he approached uh, Dr. Plotnick in this series and to find somebody to come in and murder Dr. Bond. Well, Dr. Plotnick, apparently called uh, some of his associates from Jimmy Hoffa days and hired a uh, gentleman out of uh, Boston 
Ralph DeLeo, who was a mafia hitman, and came into town, into Columbus, and killed uh, Dr. Bond. He got a sheriff's department's uniform, hmm. uh, went out and arrested Dr. Bond, you know, supposedly uh, hmm. arrested him and took him to a safe house, so to speak, where he was supposed to castrate him, but he didn't. He felt sorry for the doctor, and he just shot him execution style <laughs> okay. and fled and fled the scene well years later uh when i was with porter wright porter wright happened to have uh, a couple railroad clients so i had a a crossing case where this two young individuals uh in their 20s uh, a male and a female tried to beat the train across the tracks uh they lost mm-hmm um, and in doing that investigation, I come to find out they were just returning from Dr. Plotnick's farm. You know, he'd served his time after a couple of years and got out. For, for the firearms violation, they were never convicted on the murder charges. Uh, Ralph DeLeo was, but he, he refused to flip. And so the, the two doctors walked off scot-free. So in doing the, you know, um, many private investigators out there have done crossing accidents, either as a plaintiff's investigator or working with a railroad as as defense investigator. Mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, had all that information from prior years and then started to wonder how this was all involved in, you know, that there, my client got interested in it and just because, as a private investigator, you can only do the work that your client pays you to do. Exactly. So exactly. it piqued it piqued their interest, and as we followed up on it, we found that uh, you know they were involved in narcotics. Uh, they were up here from Florida. Um, the doctor again was uh, involved in letting them stay on his farm as they moved the drugs back and forth. But interestingly enough, both the, the female victim was flat out gorgeous, and the doctors tried to talk the family into letting. For some reason, they wanted the cadaver, the body, which was never fully explained as in any investigation. But come to find out, the female had been married to a gentleman in. Miami, who ran a big nightclub and had just been busted by DEA for, you know, narcotics trafficking in the early days of cocaine, and uh, he had been executed the day before he was to go to, you know, to court to turn state's evidence against the Colombians who had bringing in the narcotics. At the same time, we were doing the investigation on the uh, crossing accident. There had been a daughter out of uh, that marriage between the victim of the crossing accident and her husband who owned the casino, or not casino, but nightclub in Florida. And as you know, as Colombians have a history of doing, or used to, they kill everybody. Mm-hmm. So the daughter was up here in Columbus, and while we were doing this, there was a hitman from Florida and Columbia trying to find the daughter to execute her. Uh, 
So had, had I not had all this stuff that I kept for all these years to tie all that together, you know, and ended up going to, uh, to the feds to help them out and also our case, the civil case up here, and it, it just shows you you never know when something you did years it's true. past is going to play a part in today's, you know, history has a tendency to repeat itself, I guess, and it helps to have those facts at hand when you're... Interesting. Interesting. So, uh, let me ask you, you mentioned, was it Dr. Bond, was it? Yes. And you mentioned that he was black. Did that have a, was that relative to the case somehow? But Well, the only relative part of the case was that uh, Dr. Ucker's secretary was white. And, you know, it became a racial thing. He didn't like uh, a black okay. doctor dating his white secretary. And that caused, obviously, some internal problems in, in yes. the office. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Interesting. So, were, were these folks finally prosecuted? They were, they were indicted and prosecuted. The, as I said previously, the only, the only person to be convicted was the hitman himself, Ralph DeLeo, and he was sent back to, I believe it was Massachusetts, um, to, because he was wanted uh, on previous murders in that state. So he served his time uh, in the state of Massachusetts. The two doctors here, Plodnik and Ucker, walked. Hmm. Interesting. And then con- did they continue to practice medicine? Y- yes, ma'am. Did they? Hmm. And never got caught doing anything else again? Well, they did something else again, but it, again, it wasn't. I was involved with that, and uh, you know, they continued in their way of life to die of old age. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I mean, that's a really good example. I, I think uh, it's, it's always interesting when you're working on a case and you see a name pop up that you had in a previous case. You may not know where, what case that was, but you remember the name when you see it. And so to have a system where you can go back and through your computer research and s- input that name and find out what the connection was is really important. Well... You know, I started before the time of Google. Now you can press Google yeah, you, you can, can Google get all this information. But prior to that, there was no such thing as Google. So, and most newspapers weren't online. So you, you either have had to have a clipping service that you could go back to, and most of those don't exist anymore. And so that you have a history. Rather... Rather than going back to the library and going through, you know, microfiche of old newspapers, you would have it handy. It was right there for you. Yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, I I remember the clipping services, and I'd forgotten about about those. Uh, That's what everybody used to use. Now, what, (laughs) what... New investigators do for old information, you know, I have no idea except to go to the library and because and, a lot of computers didn't come around until, uh, you know, 1995 when people started putting information in databases. And a lot of these times you, you can't retrieve anything older than 1992. Right. Right. We need to take another break, Jim. I'm sorry to... Mm-hmm. 
news, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Tim Sylvania and I have been talking about how to how to track cases and and uh, how to retrieve the information and it's just such a pleasure Jim to talk to you I love talking to people that have been in the business a number of years because I think you know you have so much information to impart you have more information than we don't even you know the rest of us don't even know what we don't know yet so I appreciate your well, thank experience thank you very much thank you yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I found another source that let me mention that might be interesting to the folks that are listening. There is a website that says, that's called uh, National Institute of Justice Funded Software Tools, Apps, and Databases. And uh, you can Google or go, put, the, put this in your, your search engine, www nij.gov slash topics slash technology slash pages slash software hyphen tools and it gives again these are all funded by the National Institute of Justice they're free or low cost software tools apps and databases and it has again six pages of different resources um, again, I know no more about it than what I've just told you, but I certainly am going to check it further and see if uh, any of these uh, are, would be workable for people that I know that do investigations. Um, did you know about that, Jim? No, ma'am. It says um, communications for public safety, digital forensics, fire and arson investigation, forensic DNA, document examination information management, which is what you've been talking about, 
uh, anthropology, tool marks, toxicology, all of these things are available as free or low-cost tools through NIJ. I believe there's some case software out there that may do the same thing for you that comes along as part of the program of of uh, keeping track of your cases that will do the lake analysis also as a sidebar to uh, the program. Yeah, I, there are there are, you know there are a number. Uh, if you Google link analysis, um, say link analysis criminal and civil cases, you can come up with all kinds of uh, commercial tools, advertisements, links to uh, various programs. Unfortunately, most of them are, are a little pricey for us average PI guys. Um, I hate to say that I'm cheap, but I am. And, uh, <laughs> right. And, you know, access, if you had used Microsoft Office, uh, not, not as a, you know, I'm not plugging them uh, commercially, but I mean, right. that just happens to be the standard. And uh, so access is available as part of that program. And then I, I have just used access over the years uh, and upgraded it from 2005 to 2007. And then nowadays, they have the 365, which uh, you know not only goes to your computer, but all your other devices. And uh, so it's a little more, I have to do a little bit more work than would be required if you had some additional pricey software, but that's the part of being cheap and trying to keep your costs down in your agency. Exactly, it's true. And, um, and I, I found this other one, too, called Sentinel Visualizers, S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L Visualizer, and it looks like it's pretty reasonable. So uh, if you're interested in looking into that further, uh, that's easy to find on Google, S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L visualizer um all of these the the problem that i have jim is as a sole practitioner um like you are today is having the time to input the data if you're doing an investigation you know that takes considerable time well there I'm not too sure how your end is, but I know here in Ohio, at least, I have peaks and valleys. So, you know, when, uh, it'll go in a box, and then when I get the time and I'm in a valley, then I'll dig all that back out and enter it into the, into the database. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't do it, you know, every day. It'll build up for a while, and then it doesn't take that long to enter the data in because all you have to do is add, you know, assign a number to it. And then uh, just put the names of the individuals or the business into a database. So that's not that time consuming. So okay, so you don't put in the necessarily the relationships or their their contact information or any of that. It's just the name or the business. Correct. And then okay, well that yeah that makes sense. And that way, if you you know you come across that name again, you can look at that, dig that article up or that report up or that investigation up, and then you can piece together like a puzzle the, who, where the relationships are, and then you go back into your database and pull out those names. And it becomes time-consuming then, but of that's part of your investigation that you're being paid for to do. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So what kinds of things are you involved in today? <clears throat> well... Um, 
I, I still do work for um, not my old law firm, and I do work for other law firms now. I, I testify as an expert witness in, in uh, cases involving investigation or private investigators. And uh, we, we do a lot of uh, embezzlement type of uh, investigations and also handle some domestics on the side. You know, it's an all, all-purpose private investigation firm if we can help. Mm-hmm. I try to stay away from the workers' comp surveillance type of investigations. I, I don't like doing those. Yeah, that's that's hard work. Very hard work. Uh, lots of surveillance and um, lots of time in, invested. Well, and the problem here in Ohio is the with the Industrial Commission or the Bureau of Workers' Comp here. Uh, it becomes even though you catch some guy climbing a tree, uh, cutting, <laughs> trimming the tree with a power saw and uh, or a chainsaw, and then he goes before the commission. And he said, "I just had a good day and it needed done." So, but I laid in bed for the next week. So it it really, after chasing people up and down the freeway, you know, exceeding a speed limit by you know <laughs> a large amount uh, in doing surveillance, and then actually having nothing happen at the end, you know, is it worth my time and my rate to risk my life to do that type of work? And, and I've come to the point where no. That's and, not something you want to do. So you you do mostly, you do some, um, some criminal? Uh, we do criminal defense, and we, we have done criminal before where we go out and do the investigation and then work with the prosecutor's office. Uh, we just did an intellectual property case in one of the local communities, um, which recovered a lot of uh, knockoffs and also cocaine and right. everything else that was involved. And then you, I'm sure you do uh, civil, various kinds of civil torts. What kinds of cases do you get involved that way? Well, um, whenever we've, we've worked both sides of that, both for the defense and for the plaintiffs, uh, at major industrial accidents or, um, like I say, we still do some work for the railroads, uh, it, it, that the best part about being a private investigator, as I tell people, is I never know what I'm going to be doing or where I'm going to be doing it at. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just a phone call away from doing something completely different than I've ever done before. Exactly. That's exactly true. And you meet people that you would never meet in your walk of life, ever. Correct. Which is fun. Well, you know, I, I, I tell people I have a son-in-law who works for Honda, and he goes to where he makes very good money what he does, but he goes to work every day. And he knows exactly what he's going to be doing for those eight hours every day. Never mm-hmm. changes. And I have no idea. I, right now, I'm sitting here talking on the phone to you. Right. I never have an idea what I'm going to be doing next. Your new adventure is just around the corner. <laughs> yes, ma'am. But that's very true. I, you know, that's that's what's exciting about it. it's. You know, maybe it's that adrenaline rush you get when you you are are actually uncovering something that is important to your case, or uh, you have an idea that nobody else has thought of. It's a very cool well, business. 
Well, I, a number of years ago, I had someone call me that they were looking for, they were adopted, and there was a twin, and he had no idea where the twin was. And uh, I took, <laughs> after about two weeks of, of doing a little background, I said, do you jog? And he said, yes, why? And I said, well, go over about two blocks and knock on the door and introduce yourselves. They both worked in the same line of work. They were software uh, computer guys, and they, but they worked for two different companies, and they only lived a mile oh my away from each other. And <laughs> they, they never crossed paths until we put them together. And then every year at Christmas, I get a card from them saying thank you. Oh, that's you. great. That's great. Jim, it's been a pleasure talking to you. We're at the end of our hour, if you can believe that. Uh, so thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate well, thank it. Thank you for having me. And to the rest of you who are listening, tune in again next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators like Jim Sylvania. It's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Classified.